Okay. All right, guys, welcome back. Um, it's me, Keith, again with Matt here. Say hi, Matt. Yep. And we've got Dan Lawrence, who's <laughs> over from the UK at the moment. He's a strength conditioning performance coach from Perform Better on Instagram. And he's over here. Is that right? No? What is it? Perform 365. Perform 365. Love it to be Perform Better, but no. <laughs> Perform 365. So. Perform Better. That's like the education. The and, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Forget that. It's Perform 365. So, yeah, say hello then, Dan. Hi, guys. Cheers for having me on. Yeah, no worries. So, you're over here training uh, training one of the footballers um, just in his, in his off season. I am, yeah. I'm here with um, just a player at Chelsea, just looking to do some extra work. Um, he's out here on holiday with his girlfriend, actually. Wanted to do some extra work over the summer. Um, so you flew out to train him? I did, right, yeah. Okay. So quite a good gig. Um, I've got a few friends out here who you guys know who are yeah, awesome. Yeah, Alex Lee, he's been on the podcast. He, he spoke a few weeks ago. Oh, brilliant. Alex is, yeah, awesome dude. Um, so yeah, I thought I'd come out here, do a bit of studying, catch up with the guys, and obviously get a bit of work in with him. He's out here with his girlfriend, so he, he said he wanted to do some extra work over the summer. Um, and then we realised, when are we going to do this extra work if you've got these holidays? Which, you know, he's got to have a holiday, I appreciate that. He's only, he can only do that once a year. Um, so then he said he'd fly me out here. So Absolutely. yeah, great gig. Um, so we've got some work in. Um, how much work we can get done in seven, eight days? In 40 degrees. What, what kind of stuff <laughs> yeah. have you been doing? Um, Chris hooked us up with a track session actually, um, so we went down there at sort of 8am before it got, well it was still very hot before it got too hot, um, so we just did some energy system work there. Um, he's now progressing, so he's coming back from, from an ACL issue, so we've gone from kind of the linear work to the multi-directional work, um, just doing some yeah, glycolytic stuff on the, on the track, um, which was tough. You know, we strapped up with a heart rate monitor there, we, we had the recovery period inside just to get out of the heat, um, and yeah, we, we cut this kind of total amount of work down slightly yeah. because of the conditions to be honest um, but he did very well uh, we've, so we've done that uh, saw you guys at Fitness HQ so we've got some, some nice strength based work in there um, I find with the footballers especially with the sort of quick turnaround in games in season strength work has to it's maintenance you know mm. so um, I find out of season it's a great way to I say increase the horsepower in the engine you yeah. know just, uh, just get them stronger man but he's, uh, he's not been playing last season no um, where are we at now? So we've just come to the end of that season. He did. He played last season, but where are we at? Oh God, June. June. Yeah. Sorry. So he played out. He played out in Holland. Um, yeah. Broke down towards the end of. No, he didn't play last season. Apologies. He didn't play last season. He broke down towards the end of that season. Had a great season. Um, but yeah, was when did he do his ACL? What are we talking now? So ten months ago, is it? Oh, really? Yeah, that's been that a was, nice turnaround though. That's it. If he, what was it? What was the actual was it sprain, or he tore it? Or he, um, yeah, he tore it. So he had, had a reconstruction, reconstruction on that. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, getting back to ten months to doing multi-directional stuff is pretty sweet though. Yeah, so basic stuff though, like just yeah, quick change direction, um, mm. twenty meter cones. But he's fine, you know. Yeah. Landing mechanics is good. He's coming out here, as I said to you guys before we started this, is just building his confidence up more than anything. Mm. We've got some good work in. Um, We've had to put a few recovery strategies in place. He's had a lot of sort of massages and, and things. He's just just getting him ready for pre-season more yeah. than anything. Um, but yeah, he's he's feeling a lot more confident now um, on that knee and yeah, sort of landing and and yeah, of course, yeah. pressing that force. There's a lot of pressure on those boys once they get injured, isn't it? It's like it's big, Massive. big. You think that they haven't even you know they're they're on the brink of making absolutely, it. absolutely. I mean, uh... It's just so you can imagine you know sort of the mental side of things is he you hit the nail on the head, Matt. He's literally on the brink there. There was mm. talk of him. Yeah, really breaking into the Chelsea side under Conte. Um, obviously, Aspilicueta has had an awesome season for Chelsea this season, but uh, but yeah, to get the injury at that time was incredibly unfortunate. But you, you've got to deal with the cards you dealt, and um, so yeah, we're just trying to get him, you know, with that whole return to play, just get him confident and strong enough so he doesn't break down again. Yeah, um, and I feel yeah, I feel we're doing that. What would uh, what's, what's like a typical turnaround? Would you say for an ACL tear? Yeah, there's about nine, ten months. Yeah, some I think. I don't know if it's Wayne Rooney or somebody who camped out in an oxygen tent every single night, got back in just over six and a half months to full full plans. I don't know if it was Rooney or if it was one of the Man United players mm. um, a few years ago, but uh, that's when you've got the best of the best at your disposal yeah. and you already are a super gifted yeah. genetic machine. And an established first team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'll pay for whatever you ask them for. Yeah. And how, how did he tear it? Was it landing and he just what, went in the wrong way? Or? Yeah, exactly that, exactly that. Um, yeah, his foot got the usual studs yeah. caught in the turf. 
he goes the other way. So yeah, there's yeah. only so much you can do there. With like when it is like just the studs just dig yeah. in, and then they'll, you know you could have all the mechanics in the world. Exactly that. He's never had an injury, a proper yeah. injury before in his life. You know, so he'll be good. He's in a, he's in a much better place now. So. Yeah. yeah, a big part of it is the psychological thing. Massive. Like you get him back fit, you get his knee right, but is he going to throw his knee in there for that 50 50 on the touchline? And you only know that until he's yeah. back playing. And he know? does it at the times, he'll do it by accident and realize, all right, my knee's yeah. okay. And now he can go for Absolutely. it. If he doesn't do it, he won't know. Mm. And then that's where, as Piliqueta, he can do it. Yeah. You know, those, the rest of his teammates can do it. And they're looking at him going, all right, mate, well, if you're not going to put your body on, then yeah, Keep, yeah, yeah we'll see you later. Exactly that. And did you have like an established plan? Like once ACL was sort of torn, did you kind of know where you were gonna go from there? Or was it Yeah, just so, so this was the thing. I, I normally work off, when I've worked with these types of players before, work off a physio report yeah. and liaise with the physio. That's the way I like to do yeah, it. Yeah, the best way. Without a shadow of a doubt, yeah. you know, that's the way I'll always do it because um, just for, for confidence in terms of what I'm doing with him more than yeah, anything, yeah, you know, the, the overall thing here is not the ego of the SNC coach, it's the athlete, you know, yeah, yeah. it's to improve the athlete. So yeah, I get as many people working on board as possible. So um, done a bit of work as well, actually, with um, the Centre of Health and Human Performance in Harley Street, um, a guy, Rob Madden, who actually looks after Anthony Joshua. I've taken a couple of my fighters to him and that tends to work really well just for some testing and uh, What's his name? things. Uh, Rob Madden, awesome dude, like awesome, yeah. Yeah, what's so, your surgeon? Uh, no, no, he's a physio. Yeah. So, um, and they've got yeah, they've got a good setup up there as well. So, so you're doing work with boxers as well. Yeah. So that's that's my main bulk of work, to be honest, and that's where my my passion really lies. Um, Are you a boxer yourself? No, no. Um, <laughs> I I did box for about six seven years, but yeah. uh, a couple of charity that fights. That counts. Yeah. I did a lot of the training, a lot of the sparring. It was. Uh, yeah, it was very good at the time when I was young. Uh, sort of keep you on the straight and narrow. And uh, where'd you grow? I was I'm in Southwest London, mm. so um, live in a place called Hampton. It's like the other side of Richmond. Yeah, 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 yeah. always claiming Richmond. <laughs> uh, it's, it's about twenty minutes from Richmond, but yeah, Richmond's a, a nice enough place. So yeah, um, boxing's a weird one. Like any combat sport, there's just this added pressure from all coaches because if you fuck up, they die. Do you know, there's a potential for them to get really, absolutely. really hurt if you don't do a good job. So absolutely, um, there's been yeah, there's been some. <laughs> don't want to turn this too negative but there's been some, some bad cases of that of late um, yeah. so one of the guys I've, I've worked with George Groves um, fought a guy Eddie Gudjanik um, who actually got put in a coma oh, Jesus, yeah, yeah so not nice so yeah thoughts definitely go out to him hopefully mm. he makes a, makes a recovery but, oh he's uh, still in a coma he is mate yeah it's, it's not looking good man we flew, flew him back to Germany but uh, but yeah it's not looking too positive there yeah, getting punched in the face is, uh, yeah, exactly uh, and that's why you need you know you need a good team around you to know when enough is enough like um, to when to pull you out mm. and things like that so yeah punch, being punched in the face for a living it, it is you know going into boxing it, it's the most brutal sport I have complete sort of admiration for these guys yeah, um, yeah it's, it's not nice and it's lonely as well you know like you, you might get to the top as, as George did you know um, yeah. in, in some massive fights um, but then you can be almost a rock bottom if you, if you lose and everyone turns on you and it's, it's brutal um, so yeah and unless you're kind of working with these guys on a day to day basis you just, you just you don't get how, how much of a roller coaster it really is for sure um, so yeah but it, it's, it's tough anyway with combat sports because obviously it's you need to have the conditioning you need to have just the, the strength and the robustness but then you need to have the speed the agility Absolutely. and the power as well exactly. so it's you, you hit it's the every whole picture exactly that yeah so um, that's what it is. So I work like the pros and, and the amateurs. So going back to boxing, you know, there is this, it's a battle that I've been fighting for the last sort of probably four and a bit years, um, going against the old school boxing methods yeah, right. um, of long, slow, monotonous runs. runs yeah. There you go, exactly that. <laughs> um, yeah, so hood up, sweatsuit on, yeah, 3 a.m. runs, exactly that. Um, not caring about sleep and yeah, it obviously affects the other qualities that we're trying to achieve. Um, some of the guys, I work with a few pros, some of the guys are amateurs, so if they're doing three twos, so three two minute rounds, mm. I get everything works off an aerobic base, um, but you know, doing these long slow runs two, three times a week, how, how beneficial are they really going to be? How long are they doing? <sighs> Mate, some of them like some of them will be doing 40 minute runs, road runs, three times a week before, yeah, I, sure. before I work with them. So, and then go into a session with you? Um, 
they won't be doing those runs if they're working with me. No, like would they be made to do that in the morning and then still have more training uh, sessions yeah, through the day? Yeah, absolutely, you know. Um, like for me, this is where I try and educate them. And with the boxes, <laughs> I enjoy it. I'm, I use a lot of terrible analogies. Um, you know, if I start talking about force velocity curves and things like this, it's just they're just going to be looking at me yeah. like, what the hell are you going on about, man? So um, I use my whiteboard. <laughs> I don't even know if I want to say the analogies here. But <laughs> Go on, man. Uh, all right, cool. So I'll use, uh, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this. I'll use three cars, Nissan Micra, VW Golf, Mercedes AMG. Um, we're talking now about horsepower in the engine. Sure. Um, so Nissan Micra, foot down to the floor, fifth gear. That's only moving so fast. Um, if I'm expressing that force, that's probably what, two out of 10. Mm. VW Golf, a little bit better, five or six out of 10. Uh, Mercedes AMG, we're, we're up there, you know, eight or nine out of 10. So then regardless of all this blimmin' throwing med balls around and high sort of conditioning stuff that they do, um, they're only gonna, if, we, if power is our main goal, which let's be honest it is in, in any sport, the amount of force they produce is gonna be minimal. So yeah. if I'm looking, I think Eric Cresty's got a piece on this, um, absolute strength to absolute speed continuum. Mm -hmm. I saw that years ago. Um, they're so far on that right side of that continuum doing the absolute speed work, i.e. boxing. Um, if I can get a shift um, to the other side of that continuum, get them lifting, um, then I'm gonna get greater bang for my buck and greater adaptation. Yeah, um, sure. And back to my terrible analogy, if I can get that two out of 10 to a four or five out of 10 by nudging it up on the force velocity curve and getting them lifting, uh, then overall power output is obviously gonna be yeah. positively affected. Um, and how does that get received? Yeah, they, they, <laughs> they, 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 you know what, they actually get it. So um, it works quite well. And that's the reason I, listen, I would have been that right away if they'd have just laughed in my face, but they, they seem to understand that works, it, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think, look, you can have all the knowledge in the world, but unless you can articulate that message yeah. to your athletes. I don't think that's a bad analogy either. I use a bunch of car yeah. analogies, like yeah. just the size of your engine being small, skinny person or having much more lean mass. Go yeah. from one litre car to a two litre to a three litre car, yeah. burn more fuel, blah, 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 go down that rabbit hole. And then talking about uh, sort of high intensity training versus slow, slow steady state. Yep. If we rev it, come off, rev it, come off, yep. we're going to burn much more fuel, the car's going to be done much quicker. Yep. If we go nice and cruise control all the way for yeah. 50 minutes, it's a lot longer. you're going to get really economical fuel consumption. <laughs> and then that seems to hit into people's minds. Mm. Whether anybody can critique that on the actual science or not, at the end of it, the point gets across to Absolutely. these people. So, Which is the, is the main thing. Yeah. Keith, that makes me feel a lot better. So <laughs> my mates are going to kill me when they uh, when they hear yeah, this. The so. best one I heard Cheers was, up. if you need it, if you want a lot of ketchup, you got to have a lot of tomatoes first. <laughs> For what? What did that it's matter in the, before? It's in the strength versus the power. If you want a lot of ketchup, yeah, it's a slippery speed ketchup. I guess you got to have a lot of tomatoes first. Tomatoes being four strength. Yeah, the way yeah, right, right, okay, got, got you. Got you. Do you know, as in you need to have the base before you can then start expressing the there power from exactly. the strength stuff, right? So you need to be strong first. To have access to a high amount of power. Okay. Right. Yeah. So. <laughs> so that on, one doesn't always go down so well. On subject. Do you on say that. that to people? No, I don't say that. No. That's just the, one of my old friends used to say to me, like, you got to have the tomatoes if you want the ketchup. <laughs> so earn the right to get the ketchup, basically, yeah, by having the tomatoes. Essentially, yeah. But also, so I mean, when you think about speed or power, whatever else, it's sort of force versus velocity, right? But you have to have access. To strength if you want to be able to express a lot absolutely and I think on subject on that you know if we're looking at boxers it's all in good being strong but if you can't express that force rapidly exactly. then that's the difference between winning and losing yeah. Um, so yeah so with the boxers in terms of you don't have to be that strong do you it's more power I mean Conor McGregor doesn't look like a strong guy but he can murder people yeah, with his, with his no, power true. But there's, there's, I mean is that wrong there's, 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 there's still the whole of explosive strength index right so you have you could get as strong as you like and then, but at some point you're gonna reach a point of diminishing returns. So if you have like a power lifter, he's now gonna start putting more resources in to get the 1,000 pound benches and so on and so forth. Whereas uh, a shot putter, if he wants to express force, so throw that shot put and he's got 0.04 seconds to do it, he will reach a point at which he's strong enough to get the most amount of force at that time, but then after that, he's not gonna get much more from it. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in a boxer, then I mean, how how strong do you need to get them? Like, is again, it's like how strong is strong? It's it's just from where they're at initially, just make them stronger is, yeah. is the main thing. Um, I think that there's another thing in boxing is just we've said about the long slope and on a steady state aerobic runs, but the other side is then doing all these kind of high intensity conditioning workouts, hmm. um, where yeah, they're just not not getting a lot a lot out of that. So I think how strong do you need to get them? 
I think with those sorts of guys, particularly with combat sport people, and uh, my sort of the whole background was in like endurance running. Oh, right. They're okay. going to be so weak normally when you get them exactly. that you don't even have to worry about no. the upper limits of their strength because exactly. that's just never going to be an issue. Yeah, you know? exactly. You're going to be fighting so much just to get them doing strength training in the first place. Exactly, and I think with these guys as well, um, you know, they the, the basic movements, you know, the, the basic fundamentals of of human movement, they they can't nail. They've never done these before. Yeah. All they've done is box and run. Um, so we we go through a prolonged kind of I suppose GPP phase of of teaching them the basic hinge preparation phase. exactly that yeah. uh, teaching them some knee dominant sort of exercises teach them pushing and pulling um, real basic stuff and also remember these guys in terms of sort of injury prevention which is obviously the primary goal here um, their shoulders are drawn forward so much they're always in that rounded kyphotic position. Um, I think there were two fighters recently, Anthony Agogo being one, and Jose Zapita fought for a world title against Terry Flanagan. Within 30 seconds, he dislocated his shoulder. Fights yeah. off. Biggest fight of his life. In the know, fight. In the fight. This David Haynes, Achilles, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so, but yeah, sort of in, in reference to the shoulders. So that, that initial kind of laying the foundation block is incredibly important. It's all well and good, yeah, get these boxes strong. But they've got to earn the right to lift that load. And I'm not going to start loading on top of dysfunction. So... Yeah. Um, so that's where, yeah, the initial phase, and look, it's quite hard to sell a boxer to, you know, get in a half kneel position and do a bottoms up kettlebell press or do some banded pull aparts, you know, mm. from these guys who have just been running around, jumping up and down and doing real high intensity work for so long. It's just, a, it's a process of educating them a different way, you yeah. know, to get to a, to a different outcome. And I think for me, I've been incredibly incredibly fortunate to be fair in terms of athlete buy-in um, because of my sort of work with George I've got these younger fighters coming to me and there's initial buy-in off the bat yeah. without me even opening my mouth yeah. um, so so that's yeah that's been great for sort of my career um, I work with yeah some as I say <laughs> yes yeah, so some not the best educated chaps um, and I, I, I just all about creating an environment for these individuals you know I'm talking get there early put the tunes on find out what music they like get all the bands ready get the rollers ready all my athletes now they know exactly what's expected of them they have to arrive 10 minutes before the session commences uh, to carry out their movement prep their soft tissue work that's, that's a given um, so yeah just all about kind of creating an environment for these, yeah. these young guys um, weird sort of question but uh, funny enough I had this conversation last week maybe it was with you or maybe no maybe it was someone else but it's just the one thing that always seems to come up when we talk about boxing SNC and that's like training the neck yeah, yeah do you do anything with that what's your thoughts on training the neck yeah a little bit you know why not... would you train the neck just from just your before you, before you answer all that oh well I, I don't know that you necessarily should or what but mm. the, the conversation came about last week where the guy I was talking with fuck I can't remember who it is we were talking about uh, Mike Tyson having a thick solid neck and yeah. I was saying well actually if, if in that case you don't necessarily want the neck to be too uh, fixed because if you do get punched in the head you want the head to be able to be compliant so the brain can kind of shift around with the head right to a certain yeah. extent yeah it's a hard one like with you know with the the pro boxers mm. they're boxing with what sort of 10 ounce gloves you know yeah. some of these gloves are oh, there's a mate grant which is deemed a puncher's glove mm. where there's not a lot of protection there you know and these guys um, I don't want to keep referencing George but look he's a 168 pound fighter super middleweight hits very very hard with 10 ounce gloves so yeah I'd probably be doing a bit more I, there'd be definitely a bias to doing neck work with a pro fighter over yeah. an amateur fighter amateur fighters previously were wearing head guards they're now yeah, they not changed they've that, changed the rules on that um, only recently like yeah, before absolutely. 2012 yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah that's only only very recent so I I do a little bit of ISO neck work with them you know um, just like band band around the back sure. bit of ISO but I don't I don't have too much of a, a focus on that to be brutally honest with especially with my amateur fighters yeah sure um, and and also they they may well do a lot of that with their boxing coaches as well you know yeah. I I have a limited time with these individuals so yeah. I have to look at you know what are the primary goals and qualities that I want to improve um, with these guys so um, but also again remember these guys are as we kind of touched on there they've got such a low training age so my main thing is getting them moving well um, my main thing as I say is injury prevention um, and then we can start sort of adding load to that but in terms of yeah in terms of kind of the periodization model it's, it's basic kind of block periodization work because of that low training age they're going to get a response from that I find um, and yeah it works quite well yeah yeah, that whole idea of not having head guards for amateurs is nuts. Mm. 
It, it is, really man. Is, yeah. It is. They were. Um, I was watching a few fights when they just did it, and like two guys had literally gashes, cuts, because yeah. just clash your heads. That's more than any because sure. amateurs is very different to the pros. Pros are a lot more measured. You know, you might stay out of range, use your jab to get in range, let your hands go, and then get out. Amateurs is literally quick flurries. They they ru they rush in, you yeah. know, and then clash clash your heads is ine inevitable, you know. But it's just if you're trying to compete, you're like qualify for the Olympics, and you're in a four-year cycle, and you just get a cut a couple Mate, of weeks I before know. you see it. Yeah, literally, it. it is like that. Well, Michael Conlon, um, the Irish, the Irish dude, um, he's now a turnover pro with, I think he's with top rank, very good prospect, he's moved out to LA. But um, there's a big thing in the last Olympics, he was a huge prospect uh, in his weight, I can't recall his weight off the top of my head. Um, and he fought a Russian guy. I think he, he won the first round, like boxed his head off. The Russian got given it, because in the, in the uh, Olympic system, you get told, um, I think at the end of the round, mm. like who's, who's won the round, I, I believe, I could have that wrong actually. Um, but anyway, so he, he won the round but lost it. He got given to this other dude. Um, and then the next round, he's, he, no, he was aware, definitely. So he must have because he was aware. So he stepped up the next round, again, beat him. I think he got given that round. And then the third round, again, boxed his head off. The Russian got given it. So the Russian, mm. bearing in mind, he only got three rounds. This is why amateur boxing is so high octane. And, um, so the Russian got given it. Um, Mick Conlon didn't respond to that very well. Yeah. Um, you know, he put his there's a big clip we'll show you after, but he put his finger up at the judges because um, I believe it was out in Russia. This might have been the World Championship, sorry, um, but I believe it was out in Russia, so it looked like a yeah. bit of a home decision. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, sure. In fact, it was. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bite my lip on that. It was a f very bad decision. Yeah. Uh, put his finger up at them, um, then turned over, left the amateur system because um, he just obviously it stunk of corruption. Um, and turned over as a pro, and he's now, I think, 2-3-0 yeah. and o as a pro. He's actually fighting, I tell you, he's fighting on the Manny Pacquiao card out in Australia. Oh, really? um, so yeah, he's, he's a yeah, big, big prospect. But it's, it's just the idea that if you're going to suffer those injuries, you may as well go pro anyway. You know? So how are you going to develop the amateur scene and all this sort of stuff? Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's, a, bizarre it's a hard one. And it's, it, like you say, you could literally give four years of your life yeah. to this. and. It, you could be out of it on an injury or a clash of heads and that's it that's you done and then you're left with this decision of shit I've had four years working yeah. up towards this end yeah. goal yes you have European championships and things in between but that end goal and then you're like okay what do I do now you know yeah. um, if I didn't do well in that or I didn't even make it because of that clash of heads the selectors didn't choose me then I haven't got a load of promoters floating around me like the Eddie yeah. Hearns of this world offering me big pay packets um, sure. to turn over as a pro. And it's honestly, it's a, it, it very, it's a brutal sport. It really is. Um, but it's a sport because it's so hard that when you do win, it, the victory tastes yeah. so sweet, you know? Yeah, for sure. What do you reckon uh, Floyd Mayweather or <laughs> <laughs> The questionable questions. Um, hey, they both won already. Exactly, you know? exactly. That's what I've been saying to everyone, man. Like, literally, they are both winners regardless. Um, but, you know, I can't look away from Mayweather on that. Yeah, as yeah, much yeah. as I love McGregor, I love everything he's about. I love this whole uh, thoughts become things, the secret, and all his whole philosophy and yeah. ethos is, is awesome. Um, but you know he's bitten off more than he can chew on this one without a doubt. I was looking at the round, so that when they showed the stats head to head, whatever, like Mayweather has his 49 and 0, and McGregor's got a couple of, I don't know what it is, five or six and, and, and one loss. But when uh, when you look at the rounds, Conor McGregor's gone 37 rounds in professional MMA. Mm. Floyd, Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather has gone 387 rounds. Mm. And this is what they're gonna go and enter into now. Like I just, I, can't, I don't know anything yeah. really about boxing, yeah. but I do know that Mayweather is the best <laughs> at boxing <laughs> and Conor McGregor is the best at doing a multidisciplinary yeah. thing. It's, exactly. To me, it's like a heptathlete, right? Coming yeah. out of the high jump yeah. and yeah. going, I want to be, I want to jump higher than the highest high jumper when this yeah, guy exactly. is just specialized at all as well. Like, it, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. The only way, I think if it goes to distance, mm. McGregor will get the respect. Yeah. Even if Mayweather wins, mm. which you'd ex I expect that to happen, but I think that will be overshadowed in the cultural like high fives if McGregor makes it to the last round. Yeah, and then it's the only way victory, isn't it? Yeah, I think yes. Yeah, so I think Mayweather will, will will get the hand up. He'll get the W. Mm. But, May but McGregor will get the respect for going the distance. Yeah, and stepping out of that his thing yeah. into a new discipline and then like the only way McGregor is going to win is if he dings him a few times early which it's Mayweather's job not to get Absolutely. his mm. look, the boxing purists say all this stuff and people are saying that yeah Mayweather struggles with southpaws and all of this but 
yeah, I can't see it going any other way. Mayweather, again, people say, oh, he didn't fight the best of the best. For me, he did, you know. He fought Ricky Hatton when he was at his best, played with him as much as Joe, is it Joe Cortez, the ref, didn't let Hatton fight his fight. But look, stopped Hatton. He, you know, he's fought Canelo, he's fought Oscar De La Hoya. I thought Oscar De La Hoya did very well in that fight. He's fought the best of the best. Yeah, he's fought Pacquiao. Pacquiao, you know. Um, so how an MMA dude is going to come in and, and challenging him in any shape or form is beyond me. Um, I admire McGregor. I love everything he represents, yeah. but no. <laughs> yeah, if I meet my words in however many no, but I don't think you, I don't time, mean looking at so it, it. The thing that McGregor has now is he's now boxing for Team MMA. Do you know? So he has the whole MMA community on his side. Mm-hmm. Even though people like love him, hate him, all that irrelevant. Like he's got a lot of momentum yeah. and people don't like Floyd Mayweather. Like they just, they respect him, but they don't like him. So I don't know how it's gonna go, but I can't see. Do you think Mayweather will knock him down? So that's the thing, Mayweather's last, I think last knockout was against Victor Ortiz. And it wasn't even a legitimate knockout. That was the one, I don't know if you remember, where Ortiz, I think, hit Mayweather low or hit him after the ref said break. And then May- and then he went to apologize, tap, tap his gloves. And Mayweather's just like, yeah, dinged him. Yeah. I think he caught him with the left hook, right hand, wiped him out on the floor, end of the fight. You know, the rules of boxing protect yourself at all times. Um, and yeah, he didn't do anything wrong there. But other than that, you know, he, he hasn't stopped someone for, I, I couldn't even tell you when, when he stopped yeah. someone. Um, so yeah, I don't see him stopping him. I <laughs> Shane McGuigan did a tweet actually, it made me laugh. And uh, he basically said, <laughs> Like, he basically said McGregor would get disqualified and he said something like WWE, like jump off the ropes and do a flying kick or something along those lines, which made me laugh, but then I actually thought about it a little bit deeper. I could probably see McGregor getting disqualified more than anything because he'd just get the hump, you know, just if you get played yeah, with for 12 down. rounds. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Double leg, takedown. <laughs> but he'd ruin it. No boxer would ever fight in MMA after that, if that happens. Yeah. There would be yeah. a serious divide between the sports. Mm. Because you're going into boxing, you got a bo- you got a box. You yeah. can't fuck around. No, and there's clips of him McGregor sparring Chris Van Eeren out in Boxing Burn in LA. Um, awesome gym actually, and uh, yeah, Van Eeren uh, for me, he's I think he's a South African fighter, but he's uh, I don't want to say British level. Probably a bit of, that would be a bit harsh. He's probably above that. Um, but from the clips I saw, he was controlling McGregor. Albeit this was probably I don't know 12 months ago. So he would have improved, but you can't improve that much, man. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. Was it August 26th or August 16th or something? Uh, 26th. 26th. Yeah. 26th They're going to make a lot of money. The build up is what I'm looking for. Yeah, they want to improve the stuff. So you're, you're doing education stuff as well, right? EPI? Yeah, so um, just working a bit with Carl Gilligan, who's an incredibly knowledgeable coach. What's um, EPI? Uh, EPI is Elite Performance Institute. Right. Um, so I think originally from Dublin. Um, they tell you they're basically an education provider. Um, they've got the UK, they've got a lot of Eastern Europe. Um, here soon. Potentially here in soon. Dubai soon, exactly. <laughs> so we're on to that. And, uh, and yeah, I think he's, I'm gonna talk out of turn, maybe looking at China and Brazil as well. I think it's just secure Brazil. Mm. So yeah, the course, is, the course is great. It's very sort of easy to understand, full of terrible analogies like, uh, like the ones we said earlier. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but uh, it's very easy to digest. And um, yeah, it's a course at Bruno University. So I'm, it sounds flash, but yeah, UK education manager. I don't know what that involves at this stage. So sure. Oh, is it recently? Yeah, it's like, a recent yeah, thing, okay. yeah. We've got a course um, next month. So I think I'll just be assisting as much as I can with, with Carl's work. It's so. your first one. It will be, yeah, it will be. But um, but yeah, it should be good. It's it's, it's great to learn from from Carl and mm. just yeah, just kind of meet meet the guys who are looking to to grow as a coach. Yeah. Have you ever sort of thought before in that sort of capacity? Um, no, not really. I mm. haven't. So that'll be that'll be interesting. Um, yeah. How much talk again? I don't know how much my involvement will be, but uh, but yeah. Yeah. No. It's, uh, strength and conditioning is kind of a, an easy thing to teach in the sense that normally the people who are there are really keen and they mm. know a lot of the stuff anyway. Yeah, you know? So absolutely. it's more of like a discussion, at least in my experiences of absolutely. teaching and stuff. Um, and then what you'll you'll then just start take over from Carl in the UK. That's the I, I, don't, I really don't know. Chris Chris mentioned that the other day, and I, I don't know. That's that's kind of one for him, really. Um, I'm just I'm just there, keen to learn from him. You know, the more I'm around him, the more I'll kind of grow as a coach myself, which is something that I, you know, I'm so hungry to do. Um, yeah. I keep putting myself in these kind of environments to just keep keep growing and. Uh, 
I've just sorry slightly off topic accepted a role as of January this year at a gym BXR in um, in Marlebone in London, uh, which is fronted by Anthony Joshua, and I've got a pro for that role. And we just got we've got an awesome team there. So day in day out, we're you know we're constantly testing each other, yeah, sure. um, which is which is what I want. Um, yeah, I'm trying to learn every single day, basically, with podcast yeah. books. But unless you immerse yourself in that environment and you know the whole thing, your product, your peer group, um, that's for me the way I'm going to grow. So that's been a great gig. I'm up there three days a week. Yeah. Um, and what sort of clientele are you dealing with there? A bit, a bit of a mix. It is. A, <laughs> so the role is strength and conditioning coach, but sure. it's a lot of general pop, yeah, man. Yeah, they, yeah, they kind of. Uh, don't want to say miss sold that one, but as I say, I'm working with a dude, Doug Tannehill, who's uh, who's a great guy, um, very knowledgeable. Um, so he's, he's a kind of clinical osteo to start with, so mm. constantly challenging me on my anatomy and, and all of that. Which yeah, you, uh, need those guys around you, <laughs> you need them exactly. Otherwise, it just goes to goes to pot. So um, so yeah, he's awesome to work with, um, and some other good dudes down there as well. So yeah, it's been it's been really good so far. We've got um, the Centre of Health and New Performance, who I mentioned earlier. They've got two of the clinical rooms at BXR, mm. um, so they've got some some great guys as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's great to be around that environment. Yeah, I mean the, the whole sort of S and C performance centre thing here. It, it's it's kind of here in the sense that a lot of the gyms are catered for S and C stuff. It yeah. may not be used by S and C coaches, yeah. but. There's certainly loads of like track space. There's mm. loads of prowler lanes and ropes and like serious weightlifting areas, obviously, yeah. just because of CrossFit. But in the UK, it's it's been kind of slow and coming to a certain extent. Right? Absolutely, it's still very much the commercial gym is still yeah. reigning king. Whereas Fitness First out here now, they've become like a very functional, dare right. I say, training sort of space. Yeah. Um, but there's more and more, and I think it's it's although you're you're an SNC coach and although you're working with the general population that's more of a sign that people are getting smarter about how they want absolutely. to train and so absolutely and i think as a coach like my, i know my training philosophy is you know go, go back to the basic stuff is you know train movements not muscles mm. look at the basis of human movement you know push pull hinge knee dominant patterns both bilateral unilateral then look at the core in sort of this anti approach yeah. um, which obviously i look at with my boxes in terms of uh, power transfer mm. um, but we'll come to that in a second I'm sure um, so i you know whether it's a general pop client or not i still train them in that manner we're not going to do a, a chest day yeah unless it's friday but no, <laughs> <laughs> um, no we're not going to do a specific chest day so um we can obviously have a bias on certain areas but uh, but generally speaking that's the way we do it and we've got uh, kaiser we've been backed by kaiser there which sure. which are a good bit of kit you know you can look at kind of power output and stuff on that um, I use a push band I've got a couple of the guys there have just oh, purchased uh, push Dan bands Baker's as well thing, yeah. yeah so I went on a velocity based training with Dan Baker actually. same areas right um, this was at what cricket ground I think it was at the Oval Cricket Ground is this recently because he's out no, in the this was, at the moment yeah I saw, I saw yeah. a clip of that actually um, no this was well, it's a couple of years ago to be fair yeah. so at the time if I went on the course now I'd get a load out of it because yeah. I'd been actually using the push band for, for a long while myself at the time it was a bit you know it was quite a lot to digest if mm. I'm being completely honest um, what is the push band? so the push band is a velocity based training tool um, it measures kind of concentric bar speed um, so if I'm working you know, especially with boxers you know then uh, yeah expressing that force is quite important um, so does it measure the bar speed or is it, does it measure the limb speed? Ooh. Is this what you had on yeah. your guy the other day with the red and green light on his exactly wrist? Exactly that. Is that what? Yeah, it was on his just below the elbow. Yeah, yeah. it's all done on algorithms. That's a good question. Because this is, uh, I've been curious to like speak with him about it mm. because there what is an question? issue. So, when you're measuring like the speed of something, so normally like we talk about the bar speed, uh, like how quickly can you express force, power, velocity, all these sorts of things. But then you get these push bands which are attached to the limb. Mm. So now, if you think in a bench press. Your, your arm isn't going completely straight. There's, yeah. there's an angular velocity as well as the it's linear the linear velocity, stuff, of like yeah. the, which is the bar, right? So yeah. the bar is just traveling linearly, it's up and down. Yeah. Whereas your limb is now moving up and down, but also at an angle. Absolutely. And that affects the yeah, biomechanics. The output, so yeah. the, the, the calculation of expressing the, the force and velocity changes when you've got different dimensions in yeah. play, right? Yeah. I'm sure, he's, I'm sure he's figured it out. I mean, he seems to get some pretty decent data. Just he does, absolutely. But aren't you Facebook. always comparing the so as long as the band is the case they're comparing the same thing yeah like oh yeah the relative but if you but I mean me and Chris would have a different one because of (laughs) lever length (laughs) yeah for sure so my my arc would be much longer than his yeah the relative change is what's important Mm. but I was just curious as to whether that is you set an individual profile for every every athlete so um, it was funny when you had that on the guide the other day two of the crossfit girls walked by and I clocked them they spotted the red light or whatever colour it was and they were just (gasps) 
He's like, what is yeah, that? Lights what flashing. is that? It's got flashing lights, lights honest, flashing. Right? And the girls, yeah. were, they, they walked up, they walked by you, and they were still talking, they walked up the stairs, and when they came back within view, they were still looking, and I, I was saw like, the, oh, I thought they were checking me out, you know? Uh, maybe they were, maybe that's what <laughs> The flashy lights. Um, but yeah, look, it's, it's good. Like, I, I, do I use it for bench press? Not really, I use it for, um, I use it for, I, I like the trap I deadlift as I used use with a guy the other day, um, just cold wrist benefit ratio, you know, I find you can stay tight in that load and express yeah, sure. that force rapidly. Um, so, so I use you, it on you that. Have a, so you can put it around the thigh. So this, well, this is the thing, it's still on the arm. Right. So when you're saying about essentially flexing and extension yeah. of the arm and with that effect, well the arm remains completely straight throughout yeah, the entire sure. motion. So that's where, I'd have to get back to you on that. Yeah. I'd be curious just to see, yeah. I mean, like I say, the relative change is what's important. So exactly that, but... it's specific to the individual. I'm, I'm actually on a course with Chris Toombs um, on, I think the 26th of July, mm. he's doing his version of velocity-based training. So I think he's done a lot of work with, with Dan Baker. He works, I think, with Volt Athletics as well in the US. He's yeah, with sure. Seattle Sounders as well, I think, in Northamptonshire okay. cricket. Really, really good mm. guy. Um, so it'd be awesome to learn from him um, and get his take on the push band as well. You can also do um, some like RSI work and some testing, and you can do CMJs and stuff. Um, that's where you do actually put it around the waist. Right. Um, because it'll affect the algorithm. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, I, I like it. It's a great bit of kit. I don't want it to, as long as it gives me some, like say some relative um, kind of feedback and markers, then it's good. Yeah. I just don't want to get, like you say, the girls looking at it to be flash. As long as I'm getting some data, some mm. solid data, then brilliant. Um, so it gives it gives markers. So if you're essentially, well, I think it's more just their crossfitters, and they yeah, just they love a gimmick. They love yeah. CrossFit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't mind CrossFit. I just don't like CrossFit coaches. We once had a whole podcast. Yeah. I think half of it was him on a rant. Yeah, they they baited me into it. They, they, him just and Rue were just in. like CrossFit. Yeah, I actually work in um, I work in a CrossFit box on Tuesday, so I'm up in BX on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and um, he's actually going through a rebranding process because he doesn't want it to be complete CrossFit. Sure. The coaching there's actually actually good. You get a lot of the St Mary's boys coaching down there. Yeah, sure. And um, for me, it's awesome. I've got my own keys to to the facility, and I go in there with my athletes, put the tunes on, and it's you know, as soon as a facility goes, it's yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, some of the uh, training methods not so. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, the push band, yeah, I'd be interested to hear. But yeah, like certainly SNC becomes a completely different ball game when you actually have some data. Yeah, exactly that. I need to get, we need to get like a gym aware or something or the yeah, push bands. Or the cost. So I went to. Yeah, how much is the. Is it so, but that's why the push band's awesome. Yeah. The cost. It's so low cost. I think you pick it up for 250, 300 pounds. Um, I actually went a couple of weeks ago when George was fighting, when he won the world title in Sheffield. I went to Sheffield Hallam University with some guys who've got an awesome program. It's called Boxing Science. Um, Danny Wilson and Alan up there, they've got everything available to them at the university. So mm. they use a gym aware. Um, so we did some yeah. testing with the England boxing girls. And uh, yeah, the gym aware, it definitely trumps the push band, but mm. there's a cost implication on that. I may have this completely wrong. Oh, it's expensive. Oh, it? massive, yeah. So I think he said it's- So what's the difference, just, go, just for anybody listening? Uh, well, go on, yeah. Yeah, gym aware, same concept to my knowledge, you know, it measures velocity, it's a velocity-based training tool, but you, you attach like a, you attach it to the bar. Yeah, um, it's like a Velcro. Strap yeah, exactly. Um, you attach it to a bar, you've got the app, and it just, again, it just measures in So you got to sit on the ground, yeah. there's a bar, and then you have the Velcro attached exactly to the bar, that. and as the bar goes up, it measures the speed. Exactly yeah. that. And then you've so got you the use app. that for what? Squats, everything? everything yeah. Uh, jumps and all that. I mean, it, it, I mean, all of these things, it's kind of like the body fat testing, where there is like a gold standard, and then there's just kind of stuff Other that's versions, kind of yeah. convenient to use. So obviously, the best is like a force plate. Mm, yeah. like a proper nice Kistler force plate and then you have like gym aware and then like the push bands exactly but it'd be interesting to compare then the push band so we did the, we oh, did, did okay. um, myself and Carl did on the um, EPI course and way wide um, the push band we use a tendo um, yeah. so you know the old school tendos yeah, yeah, which yeah, uh, yeah. Dan Baker said it like we're talking about practicality and you know if he's traveling around the world delivering courses can he take a tendo in today's current climate which looks to be honest, it looks a bit like a bomb. Yeah. Um, what it, is a tendo? It's a tendo, it's a tendo fitch line. Yeah. Um, it's this big, I suppose. <laughs> looks like a bomb. It, basically, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, basically. Like new codes, do you know what I mean? It's, like it's, yeah, it's so an intense piece of kit. You get pulled at the airport every time, I think, with that, so it's not worth that. So whereas the push band, I think we've got one here. Probably not the best on a podcast, but, uh, but yeah, so it's, um, the push band is literally just a band um, that goes around someone's 
for someone's oh, yeah. arm. It's, and like, it's then, like an iPod holder yeah. for your arm. Yeah, literally. And then this is the light. Exactly that. Um, so, yeah, you just push it down. That's it. Say, there's every, no, there's no other piece of kit. Well, you've got an iPad. You've got the app right. on the iPad. You set individual client's profile. You choose the quality that you're trying to improve. So let's mm. just say strength. Um, so if I'm using a trap bar deadlift and I want to hit a triple, I want to be moving that bar roughly between 0.18 and 0.4 meters per second. Um, anywhere there, there's kind of two low and high parameters that we want. Look, if someone's shifting that bar at 0.7, then in essence that tells me, providing there's no technical breakdown, that tells me as a coach, let's get a bit more load on that because yeah. he's not in mm -hmm. the zones that we kind of want him in. So it does, and I think the main thing as well without it being gimmicky is that the buy-in from the athlete. Yeah. You know, I've, uh, yeah, it, if I can say, come on man, like you've just, like last week you're moving that, that load, let's say 100 kilos, um, you're moving that load at 0.4, okay? Um, well, we, why, you've just moved that at 0.28, you know, come on, like liven up. And then if that continues, you know, you can then also have a look at it in terms of readiness to train and stuff, sure, and then yeah. look at external factors and say, actually, maybe I'm gonna cut the volume of today's session. So it does give that feedback. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I used to do that with the spring kayakers, I used to train, we used to use the gym aware. This is in Bishop nice. Right. And that was always like the start of the training session. All right, go on there, do a bench pull. Okay, if you're not hitting, you know, 0 0.7, 0 0.8, yeah. right, then yeah, you're yeah. going to do a cool down session. You're just exactly going to jump in the crash room and just find a beat. Yeah, down. I remember Chris used to say that I learned an Irish used to do it on a watt bike. Yeah, roll the boys power up. Yeah, roll yeah. the boys in a watt bike for a very short period of time yeah. and just time to bust themselves. Exactly yeah. that. We tried doing it in our old work. We got these, uh, <clears throat> like, uh, bands and we sort of cut them oh, at different yeah. lengths and so it became we attached them to the ceiling so there was like a short band all the way down to a long band and they'll just try and jump brilliant do you know and then we'd standardize how high they could jump it's like right if you don't hit that we're not going to train yeah them. interesting do you know that's really interesting yeah i like the what bike as well so, we'll, so you're looking at peak power output on that yeah yeah, yeah, yeah well, that's what they had like percentages i don't know 85 to 90 there were no no train right. 95 90 to 95 they're in the amber zone they'll do a little bit and then 95 plus they'll play. Good to go. Yeah, something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah, the the Amiga Wave, have you ever spent any time around that? I don't know. That's that's like the gold standard readiness tool. Right. I, I, I've never used it myself, but I've heard lots about it. And you're basically hooking up your athletes, little electrodes and stuff. And apparently it can give you as detailed information as like telling you whether or not they're kind of sympathetic dominant that day or parasympathetic wow. dominant okay. and so on and so forth so like this real powerful see where the fatigue's coming from yeah like with uh, again i'll link it in with my boxers like someone might come to me and we have a structure like a set sort of strength day as such um they might have they might come to me they may not have the morning off they see me in the evening they say yeah uh, dan i've just um i've just done 12 rounds with my boxing coach mm. so again like you know these these things are are very important for me to to assess that i do some basic kind of one to five performance markers as well like in terms of readiness to train like muscular fatigue uh sleep stress levels um and they mark that as well just to kind of give me some feedback because i find it especially with the boxers they uh they're going to be more there's going to be more of a bias to them doing way too much work than them underworking you yeah, know so sure. it's constantly keeping them on that kind of straight and narrow and, and yeah i do have to cut volume a lot of the time you know so what have you got coming up then what's in the future the next few months um so i've to be honest i've got a few courses next month what have i got i've got vbt with chris toombs um what's I'm VBT? Going, uh, sorry velocity based training all right okay the stuff we've just spent 15 minutes yeah. <laughs> all these acronyms I'm allergic to acronyms EBT what the fuck is that yeah. trying to sound flash sorry um, and then I've got um, I'm going on to a periodization one with Dan Howes um, oh that's with Tom Farrow's yes yeah, 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 yeah. so yeah. that's uh, Arit Arit yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Is that right? Arit. so I, li I literally live two minutes from St Mary's so I'm gonna I'm gonna go on that I've got uh, he's a really smart guy Dan has I, I yeah. spent a lot of time with him and then uh, Alex Wolf as well with okay Bishop yeah yeah I listened to his podcast with uh, on Pace before yeah 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 so um yeah really cool so yeah got a couple of courses there um what else have I got going just yeah just consider this year's been good for me you know it's been opening a lot of doors um the BXR gigs pretty pretty cool um just continue learning, continue growing as a coach. Mm. Um, I, yeah, just continue meeting other great coaches as well and, and kind of learning off them and, and yeah, sort of growing. Yeah, that's my goal really, as boring as that sounds. But no, 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 but that's the way forward, right? Yeah. That's the way to do it. There's so many experts out there, it's just about picking, picking brains. Absolutely. Learn as much as you can. Mm. Yeah, there's more and more people come to this region. We've had like Charles Poliquin over here and we've had Mike Boyle come out. Oh, you had my, oh, so, yeah. so Mike Ball for me is one of my biggest influences. You know, yeah. I bought his. Um, I actually bought his complete 
complete conditioning, his yeah, recent sure, one, sure. which is all right. Um, but I've, I've got his functional strength coach five, which I didn't, you know, I put it on the other day and I was like, oh my God, like I'm repeating basically what he's been saying on that. Sure. I just revisited it. I, I, you know, I listened to them all years ago and I was like, wow, that's, that's sort of uncanny. That's, that's scary. Mm. So, um, and, and just the whole, yeah, like the Mike Boyle sort of Dan Baker approach to the simplistic stuff. That's, that's me, you know, yeah, don't get sure. flashed my training and you know, I've touched on it earlier in terms of the basic human movement, how I look at the body, mm. look at bilateral loading, unilateral loading, look at the core. I've, I've done a lot because of my sort of, well, I actually had, um, yeah, a micro lumbidectomy 18 months ago. So I've done a lot of research on the McGill stuff. Um, and again, for my boxers going again, all the kind of old school ab crunches, repeated yeah. lumbar flexion. Um, I'm looking at improving sort of athletic development in terms of power. You know, that's what I want. That's my primary goal is to get that shift from their slower stuff to getting them more powerful. So um, in terms of looking at the core as a transfer center, um, I'm looking at increasing core stiffness. Yeah. I'm looking at like, some of my go-tos are a pal-off press and its variations. Um, yeah, we love a pal-off press. Love the pal-off man. Sort of offset marching <laughs> drills, just resisting against lateral flexion, maintaining pelvic stability. Um, so any variation of carries, whether they be overhead or again, just in the front rack position. And just some, yeah, some other kind of pillar exercises as well that I like. Um, I have my kind of phase one, phase two, and so mm -hmm. on and so forth, and just progress accordingly, really. Um, so yeah, the McGill stuff for me has been really eye-opening. Um, yeah, the trunks, yeah, the, the, particularly in boxing as well, because that's awfully, like, as you said, like with the ab crunches, it's, and then pretty much in all sports, it's underrated. Yeah. People just doing planks all the time yeah. and things like that, whereas uh, when you start breaking it down, particularly with the carries and stuff, becomes a lot more relevant. And exactly. the anti-rotation stuff, yeah, which exactly doesn't that. get anywhere near as much work exactly. as it should. Um, just describe the anti-rotation then, because a lot of people who listen to this. Yeah, sorry. So, yeah, from a lot of, uh, some good articles on there just punching um, Professor McGill so Dr Stuart McGill is a lead spinal professor at Waterloo University in Canada to my knowledge mm. um, and the way he views the core is, is, is a, in this kind of anti-format is to resist against movement um, to yeah, core stability is defined. Can I move my arm and my leg without, whilst maintaining spinal integrity? So without moving my spine. Um, if you've got a, excuse my language, shit core, um, and you don't do any of this work, then you're going to get power dissipation or energy leaks. So if I'm looking at one of my boxes and they're throwing a right hand or a backhand and they're transferring that power or energy from the ground up and they don't do any of this work, then by the time they strike, struck their opponent, they're going to have some form of uh, dissipation of power or energy before they've hit their opponent. So overall power output, which is something that is obviously a primary objective yeah, in terms sure. of training, is is affected. Um, the boxers look at me like, "What the hell is this?" Every time I prescribe a pal off. Yeah. Um, but you know, once they, you know, we, we, I might couple that with some other exercises as well. I like using them as filler exercises as well, mm -hmm. as long as they don't they don't affect the main lift. Uh, just kind of chuck them in there, especially with the strength work. Where we need we need obviously prolonged recovery periods. Um, because there's, there's this, just this thirst for boxers to uh, to do the high intensity work. So by doing chucking little fillers in, it kind of gets a bit more work done on the areas that we need to kind of work on. So yes, that's my kind of way of viewing viewing the core um, from preventative measures as well. You know, it's just to kind of yeah create adequate stiffness. Uh, you know, if we're looking at speed, you know, allow the arms to kind of work work yeah. around a, a stiff core and and so on and so forth. Yeah, sure. yeah, I love that. Just for those listening, a pal-off press is uh, it's done in standing. Um, with a resistant band or a cable coming from the side and then basically you uh, hold the band in the center of your chest kind of the sides of your hands touching your chest and then you just straighten your arms out directly in front of you and the further out you go the more the band or the cable wants to rotate your body to that side and then your objective is to use your core and your glutes and your 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 kind of uh, just your core pressure just to keep yourself in, in a complete straight line and not let it bend you around a lot of our guys will know a lot of our guys and girls do it all the time but for anybody who's not this training with us and listen mm. google it youtube it check it out um start using it because it does wonders for people and then there's plenty of progressions where you can yeah you can have some fun with it yeah, that's yeah something we do with the footballers. Just create a more we go in an athletic stance, create a more chaotic environment as well. So start sort of jabbing them around the abs or, or yeah, playing around with the bands. Legs, yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> he loves that. But um, so yeah, there's there's a number of things as as Keith said. Um, so where can people find you then? It's Perform Three Six Five. Yes. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, Perform Three Six Five on Twitter and Instagram. A little bit more active on Instagram these days, you know. Just Everybody try and is, right? Yeah, I think you've got to embrace it. I know there's this whole 
dare I say it, stigma attached with Instagram and, and, S- and the S&C world. Is um, it? <laughs> we, haven't, we, we haven't found it over here. No? Like, look, you guys use it very well, man. Like the visuals look awesome. Um, but yeah, look, I think there is. I, I think you know Twitter is generally speaking the one that people kind of go to. Yeah, in the Twitter's a lot more popular in the UK. For yeah, sure. that's more of an academic field. Yeah, Everybody's you there. Put your articles and exactly and stuff, that yeah. and papers. Yeah. So, um, but look, I I think it, unless you embrace Instagram, you're going to get left behind. Um, mm. As long as your content's good, you know, you, I, I try and explain it as much as I can. Obviously, you know, I don't want to go too in depth. So, so the, the what's normal, your handle again? Uh, Perform three six five. So the normal person kind of gets it. But yeah, I. Uh, I'm trying to embrace Instagram for what it is at this stage. Yeah, no, I mean, when we started with the Instagram, we wanted to use it as a platform to demonstrate, to show it. show people what we're doing. Absolutely. And to show people how our clients are, are progressing. Um, from there, you just, it's, it's trying to make it more about, for us, more about the community that we have. Yeah. Um, and just, just show the environment that people will be coming down to if they want to come and train with us. After that, I think there's enough people out there making really, really good content for me as the rehab person to be able to reshare. Yeah. I like, and I'll reshare stuff that I see, boom, I do that, I use that. So it is me, but I'm not the one who sat on the laptop and created the, the, the graphic yeah. and filmed the thing. But I think uh, once you get your style, once you kind of understand how you use it, Crack on, do it. Okay. Matt, Matt, uh, Matt's coming around to using it, we'll say. We'll it's, put it yeah, it's been like a two year process. <laughs> I go through all phases where I'm into it and then I'll back off again. And, uh, it's yeah. a long old process, like it, it really is. It's, it's very time consuming. Like, I, I put a bit of effort into it, you know, with my posts. I don't just want to put a post up. That it, I, I'm trying to educate people, you yeah. know? And I think now people are like, I've been doing sort of <laughs> like the movement prep stuff. Um, for a good few years, you know, mm. we, we did a camp in Big Bear with George and a load of the boxes and I was looking back the other day and, you know, that was it a couple of years ago and we were doing all the movement prep there. We were, again, I did it a long time before that and only now in the UK it's starting to, you've got some other coaches to, to kind of really start gathering. Far from saying, I, I pinched it from someone, I think yeah. Mike Ball says every every good coach is a good thief. God, yeah, I, I pinched yeah, it a lot of my agree, stuff. I agree with that as well. If we all had to come up with original shit, yeah. like, we wouldn't learn anything. Yeah, exactly you know, we'd be spending exactly. time trying to think of something new. Mm. So, and the warm-up is something that, that a lot of the boxers don't like, uh, of course, but it's incredibly important, you know. In fact, it's paramount for the session quality, you know, to get them physically and mentally primed to train, mm. neural primer, improve range of motion, and just, yeah, just get them in the zone, man, so... Cool. All right, well, we'll leave it there. We've gone on nearly 50-something minutes. So, oh, wow. uh, Sorry, guys. No, no, it's good. Enjoyed <laughs> it. Good chat. A lot of stuff there I really like. I really like the, the core stuff. And it's good to hear, like, because the professional sport here is really only football and a bit of cricket and um, some kind of outlying sports that aren't really mainstream. So it's good. Good chat. I like that. Matt, anything nice. to add? No, no. I'm good. Cheers, man. All right, cool. All right, we'll be back sometime soon. We'll see you guys later. Cheers, Dan. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye.